0: On the latest edition of the podcast, Commissioner Dan Butterly returns ahead of the 2022-23 season to discuss all things Big West. All right, fresh off the plane, we thank him very much for uh, jumping in and joining us, but if you look at the backdrop at his office, he's not living that hard a life. Dan Butterly, the uh, the Commissioner of the Big West, joins us again against his better judgment. Uh I know I know that it's been a lot of check-ins. Are you getting the upgrades at least? You're a commissioner now? Are they upgrading you on the flight stand?
1: No, I, I, you know, I literally, as I told the membership when I was uh, interviewed for this position, I spend the membership's money like it's my own money, so I find the cheapest flight out of the cheapest airport I can get uh, in that respect. and uh, you know we're excited to officially announce uh, last week that Ontario is now the official airport of the Big West Conference, so looking forward to flying out of Ontario a little bit more.
0: So, did you have you flown out of Ontario yet?
1: I have not yet. So, because okay. obviously Orange County is close by, Long Beach is close by. So, we have just kind of looked at, but I'm excited to get up to Ontario and be a part of that airport and uh, be a part of their flight schedule.
0: What? So, I know the PAC 12 for many years has used Burbank Hollywood Airport as kind of their official airport. Is there kind of a sponsorship deal struck? Are these guys kind of the Mr. Fry guy of airports? take me a little bit through that decision. Hey, how I, I, you mentioned John Wayne, you mentioned long beach. I'm an LAX guy, but give me a little thought into that decision.
1: Well, you know, we, we've got great partners at Van Wagner's, uh, college sports that manage our, our sponsorship program. And, uh, they got connected with Ontario, uh, and Ontario said, yeah, we would have interest. And if you look at Ontario, compared to the footprint of the big West, it is a great option for big West teams to consider, uh, you know, relative to flying out. So, I think it, it, it makes you think a little bit in that respect that you, you normally think of those three airports that you talked about. But now, hey, wait a minute. Ontario has become the official airport of the Big West. Maybe I should look it over there. I haven't looked at it before. So those are things that I think it opened some eyes. I know nationally it opened some eyes to actually have an official airport and made the, uh, the news services around college athletics. And I know uh, Tom Davis and the, the folks at Van Wagner uh, did an interview yesterday. It'll be on the uh, D1 uh, ticker, D1 Connect system about that sponsorship. So Ontario, kudos to uh, Ontario Airport for wanting to partner with the Big West, and we're excited to uh, jump on board.
0: Uh, Tom Davis, one of my favorite people, very good guy. has been very helpful to, to fostering your and, your and my relationship, so we appreciate Tom. All right, big stuff. Let's jump to your inclusion now. You're on the NCAA Oversight Committee. I don't want to leave Diedrich Taylor out either because I know he's on the Coaches Committee now as well for our audience, for the Big West people. Is this an advantage for our conference? What, what does it do? What does it entail, Dan? How did you get elected? Did you have to bribe anybody? Was it an open election? Uh, how did you get to your spot?
1: Well, th- this is all big. It all is big for the Big West. One of the things I've encouraged our membership since I came on board in 2020 was to get involved in the assembly governance structure. Put your name out there for committees. Uh, even if you think you might not get it, get your name in the system uh, and make people aware that you are interested in serving on committees. So I've tried to lead by example. In many ways uh relative to that so i'm on the now the men's basketball oversight committee uh that looks at everything and anything relative to the men's basketball enterprise of the NCAA uh, which obviously trickles down to all of us as all 32 conferences uh in that respect i'm also now on the NCAA council uh, which is the 40 leaders that are just under the board of directors uh which the board of directors for the NCAA is made up of university presidents and chancellors the NCAA council is commissioners uh, athletic directors, senior women administrators, faculty athletic representatives that serve on a 40-person uh, group that that work through the governance processes, and then you're put down in, into committees below that. So uh, Men's Basketball Oversight Committee is part of the Men's Basketball Oversight Committee. I'm also on the, NCAA, the Men's Basketball Competition Committee, uh, as well as the N- MBOC Administrative Committee. So I, I think seven or eight committees I'm on now as part of this, and I've really tried to push that amongst our membership. If you... Go to the movie, the musical Hamilton, which uh, is all in that respect. You want to be in the room where it happens, and the Big West really has not been in the room where it happens. So we're trying to push people to get in that room.
0: Are you able to share these insights with the coaches and the ADs of the Big West? Or is this something that you're going to have to obviously keep keep in your belt because it's it's in, it's in committee and it needs to be kept? You know, what, the, what's, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs>
1: no, absolutely not. I'm kind of the opposite. I'm very transparent. Uh, with a lot of the things relative to our membership and I want to make sure that their voices are heard so relative to NCAA council matters, which is a lot of NCAA legislation, anything from the, the things that you've read recently on transfers or infractions processes or the future of NCAA division one, we are making sure our institutions have a voice uh, that they're providing any feedback to us as a conference office that then I take that voice into uh, these meetings that we have so. Uh, The key things with the men's basketball oversight committee have looked at are are the transfer things that the council and the NCAA transformation committee have been a part of. Obviously, the basketball academies that they had back in 2019 got stopped because of COVID, bringing the basketball academies back uh, from a recruiting and and basically inform informational status on what college basketball is for those thousand uh, student athletes on the basketball on the men's side. And hopefully everything will get done on the women's side as well. To establish a committee for 2023. So excited about where we're going as an NCAA and particularly as the Big West.
0: Like a Baz Luhrmann movie, Dan. We're going to jump around a little bit. So we're going to yeah. we're going to have the timeline. We're going to go in and out a little bit. I don't know if you've seen Elvis yet, but a fantastic uh, creation by the director Luhrmann. Although a little off on an Elvis movie being shot in Australia, that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> you talked a little bit about men's basketball. There's there's a couple of burning questions for me. About men's hoops. I was really intrigued. I think you guys announced this. It might have been in April or May. Um, Starting next season, I think 23 24, the Big West going to an 18 game schedule. Uh, I don't know how much you can tell me, Dan. How did this, what was the thought process to this, which you kind of explained in the press release? Mm -hmm. And then how is the actual execution going to be? Am I going to lose out on a trip to Hawaii? You know, my my yearly trip to Hawaii is I guess what I'm asking. I I kid. What what was the thought process? And then how are you guys going to actually execute that from team to team?
1: No, you know, it's it's great. It really is personal in that respect. I mean, obviously, if you miss out on a a specific trip, uh, you know, you you miss that trip. But it really is a situation uh, that we had a basketball, men's and women's basketball subcommittee. So we had four women's basketball coaches, four men's basketball coaches, three athletic directors, that served on this subcommittee that met pretty much the end of March through the middle part of May uh, talking about all things relative to the men's and women's basketball enterprises in the big West, how we can improve. And we talked about the basketball championships. We talked about scheduling. We talked about, uh, you know, formats for the tournament. We we talked about so many things during those six meetings that we had set up. And one of the things we looked at is all was we currently have a 20 game schedule, a 20 game model. And this 20, and I'll talk about 2022-23 first. In 2022-23, you're going to see if you haven't already seen the schedule release. We've got some games on Mondays, some games on Wednesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays. So instead of just having that consistent Thursday-Saturday model, we had to kind of condense the schedule a bit. Right. And one of the right. things we talked to the membership about was this: this coming season, the time between December 25th and the, the beginning of the Final Four is one week less because that Final Four moves back a bit. And then right. it moves down. So in twenty three, twenty four, the final four goes down a, a, a week. So you get a little bit more breathing room. This year we've only got twenty. We got only got ten weeks to schedule twenty games. So that's why we had to try to condense the two Mondays we're playing our holidays, uh, to give some the institutions some flexibility to play earlier games and during the day if they want to get back Monday night. So we talked about going to eighteen games as part of this this schedule in twenty two, twenty three. Well, the membership because we were. A lot of institutions were already finalizing their non-conference schedules, still working on them. They said, hey, we really want 20. So we stuck with 20. But 20, 23, 24, one of the things we looked at as particularly as we are trying to get better. We are trying to improve our metrics. Um, and these are things that this committee talked about was we've got to stop thinking about being a 15 and 16 seed consistently, and we've got to get up to the 12 and 13 seats to give ourselves right. a better chance to win games, as mm-hmm. well as the opportunity to try to improve our opportunity to get an at-large consideration as well for those teams that are really good to get that at-large consideration is is big for us. So the national, what they call the National Wild Card Week, both in men's and women's basketball, is something that's being floated uh, since pretty much the beginning of the year of matching up teams, putting the top teams against the top teams uh, in some national caliber games to try to improve the opportunities for those teams like uh, Long Beach State and the men's side this year that won the, the Big West to put them up against uh, a Gonzaga or somebody like that in, you know, playing two games during that week and try to improve their opportunity to get that at large consideration. Whereas the teams that aren't as highly ranked would just be paired more regionally, but they get a home and road game, a lot different than the bracket buster situation that was played years ago. This would actually provides a home and road in the same week, in the same year against two different opponents. And you don't have to return those games the next year. So, you know, it really is going to help the teams that want to get better to get better. So in next year, instead of playing a full 20, we're going to play an 18 and 23, 24. Uh, As long as the wildcard week stays, you know, is it ultimately gets done, which we'll know here at the end of the month, if it can get done for 23, 24. So that one week during the conference play will be vacant for conference games just to play those two national wildcard week games. So again, as we try to improve, not only basketball, all sports, we're looking at very similar type uh, discussions with all of our coaches But that's one of the things we're looking at with basketball right now is trying to get more non-conference games that can excel our top teams, maybe into that large consideration or strengthening their um, seed in the NCAA tournament, both on the men's and women's side.
0: The two games that teams will essentially lose, the two conference games. Is that a rotating basis or is that determined, you know, you don't want your top teams playing team? Is that going to be an RPI thing or, a, or an NET thing where maybe the top two teams won't play the bottom two teams in terms of net and RPI?
1: Yeah, the, the ideal thing would be that the net would kind of dictate the preseason, who, who would be up there. But the membership really wants to be random in that respect. And, and the challenge, is, as you know, you've been around the Big West for a while. is It's tough to say who the number one team is. I mean, I think Long Beach State for 21-22, Long Beach State was projected, I think, eighth in the preseason on the men's side and ended up being the first place team. So you just, you know, the teams are so balanced and so competitive against each other that it's sometimes hard to determine what that one through 11 is going to look like or who that ultimately is going to be there. So they, they asked for it to be more random in that respect. Uh, so that's probably what we're going to look to do.
0: I'm just asking you a favor to favor to me, uh, Dan, and this is something you guys should consider. This is like, uh, you know, Sinatra asking Momo to get Humphrey out of the race in West Virginia. Can we can we make Santa Barbara and Cal Poly travel partners again? Because that's just that's the only way to go. And I know you got to do some maneuvering. I have some ideas we can get into if you'd like. But that's just a natural fit for the uh, for all us broadcasters and personnel traveling a way more natural fit than having to scramble around in different places uh, between santa barbara and cal poly
1: no i completely understand that it definitely makes some sense in that respect the challenge is whenever you've got an 11 team conference it's very difficult to have travel partners because you're always going to have in a travel in a true travel partner schedule you're always going to have an odd team out there's always going to be somebody that's not going to have the competitive balance My focus is making sure our schedule is competitively balanced as possible and making sure that all 11 teams have the same opportunity to win a conference championship that anybody else in the league does. Whereas if you had a true travel partner schedule with an imbalance in the membership, like we have 11, that travel partner schedule really causes one team or one institution to not have the same type of schedule. So it really is a challenge in that respect. Wow. But I hear
0: I'm you. you I, I don't think it would change it all that much. It would be cheaper for the schools. They could stay <laughs> at one hotel instead of two. That's just my 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 two cents. So we're gonna bowzzle a minute. So instead of we look forward, now we're gonna look back again. Uh let's go back to the dollar loan center 2022 yep. in March, the big West men's and women's basketball championships. As the commissioner of the conference, how did you assess it? Was success? Was it kind of a baseline? Where are you with that? Were you happy with, with the events in, in mid-March in Henderson, Nevada?
1: Great question. You know, the way, great way you put it. Was it a baseline or a success? I would say both. For one, we were the first event in the facility ever. So being the first event in there, that was a key focus for us. Five weeks before the tournament, we were championships, we were still focused on you know, tickets, you know, who's going to be sitting where and all, all the seats in the building versus really putting the, the ticket sales plan together. We were worried about more operationally making sure the baskets work, the court works, the uh, you know the timing systems all work, all other stuff. So that was a big focus for us is make sure we could get in there and, and just make sure we didn't have to instigate a backup plan in that respect. But, you know, we, we learned some things. I think the, those fans that attended and the membership that attended absolutely loved it. Know it's a great facility. Realize what Henderson has to offer uh, in so many ways. There's so many great things to do near uh, the Dollar Loan Center, right across the street, restaurants and things that you can do right there. Uh, as well as how close it is actually to the Strip. It's only 10 to 15 minutes away from Manila Bay and the Strip. So if you want to stay over there, you can easily get over there. But we learned some things. We actually have cut ticket prices for 2023 basketball championships. So fans will love to hear that, trying to make it more economical for them to come over and be a part of it, to be a a part of the celebration and recognizing our teams for their uh, postseason opportunities, but also their success and the seniors that uh, are finishing up their careers. Uh, in in the big west in that respect so we're excited about what 2023 brings now that we know the building is running uh, now that the building literally has uh, hockey going on uh, they've got indoor football going on and they just added the uh, NBA's G League to the facility Uh, so we're really excited yeah the Ignite we're excited about being in this building with all of those partners and being a tenant uh, and partner in the building so we're really excited about where we're going
0: one of the questions that I was asked a lot of people said hey does, does does Dan Butterly does the the people who run the conference now do they not have respect for the fan base because the theory was that you guys obviously did a lot of research and you said you know what um, we don't need to, to cater to the fans who've been coming in Southern California we're gonna go build a new fan base I thought you guys did a great job in terms of uh, connecting with the community there and a lot of community members from Henderson who maybe had nothing to do with the Big West who were out attending. it. And you know me. I mean, I've I've loved Henderson long before anybody knew what Henderson was, before they built an arena there. But I did feel uh, some of the long-term fans and alumni were a little bit miffed, you know, to go watch one game was about, you know, it's going to be a, an investment of anywhere from 8 to 1200 bucks between the flight and the hotel and, and getting there and the tickets and whatnot. Um, what do you say to, to, to those fans? I obviously encourage everybody to come out to Henderson, but the random trip is something of the past now that we're not in Southern California anymore. How do you address that objection?
1: It is a great question, and obviously I've dealt with that throughout my career, even at the time of the Missouri Valley when we went from being in an institution site to actually moving the championship to St. Louis. And heard a lot of those same same arguments and a lot of the, the same complaints i hear them uh we hope that they will give henderson and las vegas an opportunity and a chance that they will come over and be a part of it i think they will be excited about it uh the honda center was a great opportunity for the big west uh for you know over 10 years in that respect we've got great partners at the honda center uh that i think would have interest in the big west in the future any big west event in the future because it's obviously orange county's uh, arena facility Uh, But with the OCVI being built and all the things that are coming up at the facility, this was a great opportunity for us, particularly during the construction phase of all that's going on there, to give Las Vegas and Henderson an opportunity. Uh, That is where college basketball and March Madness is uh, during the month of March. As as we looked at cost and the size of the venue, uh, it was a great advantage for us to take advantage of that that facility. I mean, if we can get uh, the Big West got 2,000 individuals in the Honda Center in an 18,000 seat building, it was a vast building in that respect. But if you get a couple thousand people in in the dollar loan center it's going to feel like a very full uh, environment and we are focused on our student athlete experience trying to create all of our championships into a first class event Uh, it's unfortunate in many ways that for a lot of our student athletes the big west championship is their ncaa championship so we want to make sure it's a first class event for them and that this be something that they will always remember Uh, the feedback we got from teams coaches administrators was Wow, this was a great move. This was a great opportunity for us. And we're looking forward to growing uh, the event in Henderson. And we are going to step it up even more uh, this coming year. Now that we know that the building is running, we've cut ticket prices to try to help those fans, make it more affordable for them to come over and be a part of it. Uh, We're going to hopefully have some great hotel opportunities for fans to take a part of as well. And hopefully a new partnership with Las Vegas that will help expand that and that reach for us. But I hear you. We definitely hear you, but we hope that you take you take advantage of the opportunity to come over and be a part of it.
0: No, no. I mean, uh, and most of the alumni that I spoke with, they were, they were, they were happy. It, it seems like it's kind of an alumni donor event, and yeah. kind of the more casual fan gets shut out of it. The, I, I did. I had a conversation. I don't know. Maybe you spoke with Coach as well when he was at CSUN. You know, Mark Godfrey talked about the advantage of Vegas is you got four tournaments going on. So you know, the the people who cover the game and the people who are just into the game can stick their head in a couple of different arenas and get basketball. That was the one one thing I was wondering is is there a chance maybe you invert the schedule, right? Because traditionally, you know, the Mountain West, the Big Sky, the West Coast Conference, they play their women's games during the day and their men's games during the evening. Was there any thought given to maybe flipping the schedule? Because if you're a fan of men's hoops and you're watching these Pac-12 and these what, WCC games at night and the Big West games are available during the afternoon, it take you know, that's a some motivation to go to Henderson, ergo, the women's games that are generally during the the day if you can have some primetime women's hoops at the dollar loan center that might be incentive for somebody to drive from the strip and hey let me catch amy atwell playing for hawaii in her in her tournament game
1: yeah definitely something we look at on an annual basis and one of the things that somewhat drives it is the espn schedule in that respect so espn's got the men's championship game they've also got the two men's semifinal games which have to be at night we're, the, we're shutting down espn uh, every night on those on that Friday and Saturday nights. So when you look at the format uh, in that respect, you've got you've got to be cognizant of, of the rest period between games uh, for those teams that are going to be participating in those evening games. So those are things that we definitely look at. There are opportunities to potentially flip uh, the quarterfinals where we could play the men's quarterfinals on Wednesday and the women's quarterfinals on Thursday. But then the women would have to come right back and play at noon on Friday. So, again, things that the subcommittee will continue to take a look at. Uh, we've even talked, looked at the potential of playing a week earlier. Uh, getting in there at the same time as the, as the w West Coast Conference week uh, and potentially finishing up early in the week and taking more advantage of the of weekend dates uh, versus being during the week. So things that that subcommittee definitely took a look at, things that we'll continue to look at uh, for 2024 and beyond uh, in that respect. But that is one of the things with five conferences playing their championships out there between the Pac-12, the Mountain West, the Western Athletic Conference, the WCC and the Big West. You know, there's a lot of advantages for us for not only just because of the experience for student athletes, but the media coverage, the officiating pools are all right there in town. So we were able to take yeah. advantage of all those opportunities.
0: No, no, I, I like the time frame because like for broadcasters, we're all your buddies are out there, right? We're all there together and maybe we don't see each other during the year because we're all working, but we all kind of meet in Vegas for that weekend. And, and, and it's great. Um, I want to do this. I want to jeté from basketball to baseball yep. and a couple of things. Well, the first thing is. I don't know. I'm sure you saw it. It was a very thoughtful letter from Mike Rooney um, towards the end of the season to the Big West saying, hey, guys, I know you guys want to be good at basketball, but, you know, you're a baseball conference, which I'm sure, you know, and, you know, having read stuff, interviews that you've done when you came on. I, I know you understand that. There's um, a question I'll, I'll bring from Dave Serrano because Coach Serrano, although he's no longer at CSUN, he's realigning as opposed to retiring. He called it realignment of his career. Um he was advocating all year for a postseason tournament. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I understood why the powers that be at the Big West didn't want a postseason tournament. But I think at this point, I believe the Big West with the Pac-12 now having a postseason deal is the only only conference who's not doing it. Um, you know, you, you run the league. Are we going to see a Big West uh, baseball tournament or a Big West baseball championship at some point in the near or distant future?
1: Well, I can tell you that there's active discussions relative to adding a baseball championship to the Big West. And so not only a baseball championship, but potentially softball, uh, women's volleyball as well. So those are the three sports that we currently do not have a post-regular season conference championship uh, in that respect. So I can tell you that we are actively discussing uh, those through the coaches groups to the membership and ultimately the board of directors. Uh, will have a vote on that as, potentially as early as December uh, during their December meetings. But, yes, the discussions are are being had. Uh, I definitely understand the strength of baseball in this conference, and we've actually looked at a meeting with the coaches uh, a couple weeks ago. And the coaches understand some of the performance issues that we're currently having, uh, relative to only getting one team in the baseball championship and even a three seed out of four up at the Stanford Regional this year. So we're looking at competitive improvements, and the coaches are taking that lead uh, relative to that as well. But had some really good discussions with our baseball coaches a couple weeks ago.
0: Yeah, and and that's that's not on you. That's got to come from the schools. I mean, we have a number of schools in this conference that are invested in baseball. And we obviously know who the, those are because mm-hmm. they're the ones that are consistently in the post season and everything's got to kind of, you know, come to the middle. We got to kind of have a, a meaty, a middle of the curve, as George Costanza once said, um, just a suggestion, coach. There's this really great baseball stadium in Lancaster that nobody ever uses ever since the jet Hawks move out. So if you're looking for a, uh, for a that I think that's kind of central to most of the big West schools. If you ever were going to have a post season championship, um, Did you read the Rooney letter? What did you think of the the Mike Rooney letter?
1: I I don't think I've actually received a copy of the Rooney letter. But, you know, in that respect, I definitely understand where baseball sits uh, nationally in the Big West. That We can be extremely competitive uh, in baseball, obviously, uh, with the College World Series appearances and things that the Big West and national championships have had over the years. Definitely understand where baseball is uh, in the pecking order amongst our institutions, amongst our coaches and particularly nationally. Uh, in that respect, and I'd love to be able to see some uh, improvement there uh, and things that we've got working on behind the scenes right now.
0: were you in the, were you in the mountain west when the when the baseball kind of because baseball kind of took a couple of moves in the mountain West just due to the membership because you didn't have you know you started off kind of with not some baseball schools, and then all of a sudden, you know <laughs> with the shuffling and whatnot, it's there's some pretty good baseball schools in the mountain west right now. How did you guys handle that in kind of formulating that championship situation?
1: Well, it, it ebbed and flowed every year in that respect, all. And, and they, obviously we had BYU-Utah uh, in the conference in the first 10 years. And then they decided to leave. TCU was in for about a five- or six-year period. And had really good baseball with Jim Slosnagel uh, down there, uh, nationally competitive. And obviously College World Series at the time they were in the, in the Mountain West as well. And then obviously added Fresno State. You got San Diego State. You got uh, some other good programs. Nevada uh, played really well this year. Air Force was great uh, this year yeah. in baseball. So, I mean, surprisingly – uh, Air Force came on, came on really strong this year. So again, uh, ebbed and flow. The, the championship would change. The format would change uh, every couple of years to try to position the, the Mountain West at the time uh, to to be in a better position relative to baseball. Still struggle. Uh, you know, it's a it's a one bid situation at the Mountain West, similar to what the Big West is here. And those are things that we're both trying to improve upon and, and get our teams better position.
0: Yeah, I think what hurts for the Big West is it wasn't that long ago, you know, three, four or five years ago where it was a multi-bid conference every year. And I think Coach Serrano, when I spoke with him about it, he said, you know, we don't have that bellwether like we used to with we knew Fullerton was going to be there every year or you knew Long Beach State was going to be there every year and then the other teams that can compete against them would get in and obviously yeah. solution. The other thing is, you know, here's the, other, the, the, the logistical part of it, Dan, is that now with all these other, like the Pac-12, for example, their season now is truncated a week. So that's one less week. That big West schools can 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 um, schedule uh, Pac-12 schools. I know specifically this was an issue for UC Riverside because one of their non-league, you know, they have a crosstown rivalry with CBU. Well, CBU now is eligible for the WAC tournament, so that last week of the year, they're not going to be available to play UC Riverside anymore if, if if that's what they wanted to do. So a lot of these wheels that are spinning, and I know you got to deal with a hundred of these things. So it's really yeah. interesting to see how that all comes together. And I appreciate your answer on that tournament. Um, no, and
1: absolutely. On that, that's one of the things that the coaches have looked at is relative to if we add the championship, you have to cut a week out of the schedule or you have to decrease the round robin. So those are all things that they're looking at right now. All
0: right. Um, this isn't really directly applied to you, but you're a conference commissioner and I have you for a couple minutes. So I wanted to ask you, you get a call, Tom Davis wakes you up in the morning and he tells you, Dan, I just got, well, you probably get it before he, but, you know, for for, for practical purposes. I just got a text from the ADs at Irvine and Long Beach, and they're going to join the West Coast Conference, you know. So, you know, George Kleopkoff woke up one morning and was told that USC and UCLA are heading to the Big Ten. As a conference commissioner, when you hear a bombshell like that, what's the process? What do you go through? What are the strategic moves a gentleman like you would have to make in that situation?
1: Well, you know, it's it. I anticipate the Pac-12 commissioner had the same relationship. I mean, good relationship with his membership, his, his board of directors, his presidents, his, his athletic directors, senior administrators, faculty reps. I mean, even at UCLA, USC, I would anticipate they called him before the news started leaking to give him a heads up. And then obviously, you get your membership together, uh, determine the the course that you're charting, and kind of work from there. I mean, as I've made the analogy of, over the over the couple last couple of years, you always as a uh, AD has multiple head coaching candidates in, it, in his or her head. Uh, if they were to let go of a head coach, who that next up might be, who does, who's on that radar. I mean, I'm always you know, cognizant of the national landscape and what we're looking at. We've been fortunate that out west, uh, we're in a pretty good position I- in the Big West. Uh, the, you know As you look at the memberships out this way, the Pac-12 is an FBS conference. Uh, the Mountain West is an FBS conference. Uh, the Big Sky is kind of the north and west side of uh, their FCS level conference you can look at the west coast conference in the big west or what's considered division one conferences which we don't have football but the WCC is the private institutions whereas the big west is the public institutions so we've got a really good uh, fit out here amongst the 67 institutions that are based west of uh, west of Denver uh, division one institutions but you know being in that situation obviously you would immediately get together with your membership and Uh, chart a course you would wish you know the the institutions that maybe left for an opportunity they feel was better in that respect you wish them well and you figure out what the next steps are uh, for your own membership and keep you keep the conference moving forward and I think that's what George is doing up at the the Pac-12 you can't get public on it obviously but I I know George I've known him for a number of years from my time working at the Mountain West in Las Vegas now he's at the Pac-12 I know he's got a lot of great things ahead.
0: Do you, you know, in terms of we always hear speculation about potential expansion and whatnot, and you guys released a statement that at this point, you know, you're not looking to actively expand. But I'm guessing, you know, it's like when you're at a job in a certain industry, you know, like I used to work in real estate. When you're in real estate, you kind of got to know who's coming and going at the competitors, right? Because – you know a guy you work with who's now a manager you know you you got to keep track of all that stuff and i'm guessing it's the same for you even though you're not actively looking to expand you have to have communication with some schools and i know probably in your back pocket there're probably people that have contacted you with regard to hey if you were to expand what what would you, how would you look at it What's that like for a conference commissioner? You you mentioned earlier, we're at 11 schools right now. 12 would seem to be a nice round figure. Do you have a wish list? Do you have a short list potentially for who that 12th school would be? And then we already talked about if somebody were to leave, what you might do. You know, Hawaii was supposedly in play for a little bit, and I'm sure that was something that went through your head.
1: Yeah, it's always – you're always uh, kind of the national landscape of what's going on in that that respect. But obviously it's up to the membership and what they want to do. You know, with the NCAA transformation – Division one transformation. We're all still waiting for the transformation committee from the NCAA to determine what the new division one membership standards are going to look like. As, as we've heard nationally, there's some commissioners or some, you know, institutions out there that believe there's too many teams or too many institutions in division one. So I anticipate the bar to be a division one member will be raised uh, as early as October for future, you know, future academic years and what that looks like. We don't know yet. I literally had a commissioner meeting just before this, and we're all still kind of waiting to see what the transformation committee comes out with relative to that. But it could be a situation that some institutions that are currently Division One may determine that they can't meet the new standards. And in that respect, you've got to determine what the future of your membership looks like and see who, what, how, what's going to shake out relative to other conferences. I mean, if all of a sudden the, it's millions of dollars to, to stay a Division One member then you're going to have some institutions to say we just can't continue to to fund it at that level. And so you're going to see some conferences that are going to have to look at other options, other membership that's out there. But ultimately, that's up to our board of directors, whether they want to consider not only uh, full membership or affiliate memberships uh, in certain sports. If you have a sport that's a little low on membership, what that would look like. And we continue to have those discussions uh, with our membership on interest and our board meets a couple times a year. And we have that on the agenda every time just to kind of give them a sense of what the national landscape looks like. And they're interested in expanding. Um, and as we came out coming out of the May meetings, Giselle, that was pretty much where they were at. Not interested at this time, but we'll continue to keep our pulse on the landscape.
0: Is there, and I'm not, a, I mean, I guess I am asking this in context of the Big West, but um, as a commissioner, and you've, you've been around, I mean, you've, you've been with the Missouri Valley, the Mountain West. So it's interesting because a couple of the schools have this relationship. From from I mean, I guess the board of directors obviously, and the, the and the ADs would obviously be involved in this. But I, I'm always curious as to because the Big West had it for a while where there were sports they didn't have all their members participating in, and the idea of parking certain sports in the, in a conference when you play other like years ago when the Big East was trying to keep football. They yeah. were going to have San Diego State and Boise join the Big East, but they were going to park their rest of their sports in the big West, and the Big West did manage to get a little bit of a financial windfall out of that because both schools had to pay an exit fee, even though they never played a game in the big west like, yeah. what I, I always wonder i mean you're you're a big West commissioner. what is the benefit to that to having you know i guess for for those two it would have been interesting because you guys don't have football so it didn't really matter those partial memberships are you a fan of those is that's kind of on a need on an on a, as needed basis that you would want something like that or would you prefer that all the member institutions participate in all the the offered sports
1: well you know i think anytime you want as member institutions you want all in you know you want a full commitment not just affiliates and, and that type of stuff so you as you look at membership Is we have 11 institutions that are all in, play all their sports in the Big West, uh, the sports that the Big West sponsors in that respect. Um, And then we we have Sacramento State in the league in beach volleyball and men's soccer. So obviously it helped beach volleyball in the membership there. We have seven institutions that participate in beach volleyball, so it strengthens our number there. And then it also in men's soccer, there's not a lot of conferences that sponsor men's soccer nowadays. So it was great for uh, Sacramento State to join uh, the Big West in men's soccer and also provides a good travel partner. For UC Davis up in the Sacramento area relative to men's soccer. So, uh, you know, it it fit a good, good opportunity there. Uh, So ultimately, you'd like to have full members rather than affiliates. But sometimes affiliates provide a good opportunity to keep a sport or uh, bring a sport in to the conference uh, to really boost that. The numbers for participation, participating members in that sport.
0: And then, you know, and this is this is kind of out there, but you know, I'm reading a lot about the like the the Pac-12 stuff, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. And now you got the Big 12 potentially, you know, set up. They're saying they're going to maybe raid the Pac-12. The Pac-12 looking to potentially add some schools. So the, the the message here, especially from the networks, you know, ESPN and Fox, they're the two big boys on the block, right? And football is what drives the bus, right? And we have a bunch of schools in the in the Big West Conference. All you hear is you know. There's financial issues, this, that, and the other, arenas, this, that, and the other. I mean, is it time for the big west to get back into the football business? Because it looks like you mentioned that, you know, Division One may take go through a cataclysmic change in terms of who's gonna be eligible and who's not. I get it. Football programs are expensive to maintain yeah. and you need, you know, it's beyond just the scholarships, it's the personnel to manage them. But if there literally are billions of dollars on the on the table with regard to television. And now with you know two teams out of the L.A. market for football, is that? I mean, I'm guessing it's not going to happen. But is that something you got to run through your head? You got to kick the tires on that, Dan.
1: Well, I tell you, my biggest goal right now is to protect the 18 sports the Big West currently has, making sure that we are providing a great experience for those sports, great opportunity for our student athletes to succeed in every facet of those sports, and continue to make sure that we protect. As, as I uh, quote Under Armour, protect this house, I've got to protect those 18 and make sure our institutions are fully funding and doing the things they need to do for those 18 sports in the Big West. Now, as we look at potential adding sports, that's always a concern. You know, if you add a sport here or there, what's it do to the 18 that we currently have? I don't I don't want to add sports to have to drop sports uh, in that respect. And if you uh, any institution that adds football, they know that that's tens of millions of dollars in right. investment to get the program up and going, but also a very similar commitment to keep this, to keep that sport going. And not only in obviously the football operations, the facility maintenance, and all the things that you've got relative to do a football program, but also obviously you've got to add equal numbers of women's participation scholarships as well. So the costs increase significantly. And I, I like where we are right now, you know, obviously we've got two institutions that play FCS football in UC Davis and Cal Poly, play football in the big sky conference, but all other sports here in yeah. Hawaii, obviously plays football in the mountain West. I don't see anybody else in the conference looking to add football at this point. Uh, And again, just trying to protect our 18. I think it's the core mission that we've got moving forward.
0: I'm just saying, you know, Hey, you live in a, I mean, this is going back obviously to when you and I were in school, you're paying 400 bucks per month in an apartment. You're working 20 hours a week. You want to move into this snazzy pad that's 750. Well, you know, you got to add about 10 hours a week to your weekly work schedule to do that. And that's kind of what I'm doing again. Dan, it's always great. I appreciate you indulging me. I'm going to wrap up. I got seven quick questions for you. We're going to do a speed round real quick. (laughs) And these are just random things. Many of them have nothing to do with sports, okay? So question number one, in the last six months, when's the last time or how many times have you ordered an Arnold Palmer? Zero. You're not a fan of the Arnold Palmer. Okay, we'll move on. I,
1: I, I am British and English in background. I'm a tea guy, not a lemonade guy. Tea guy,
0: okay, okay. You are from the state of Illinois. I know you're a Cubs fan. I don't know about your football members, uh, if you're a football fandom, but I'm going to ask you, who had the best verse on the Super Bowl shuffle, Dan?
1: Ooh, uh, Walter Payton.
0: Okay. Call me sweetness and I like to dance. Um, I've become a big tree nut guy in the last, you know, as you advance in age, Dan, you realize you can't go for the chips anymore. You got to go for the tree nuts. So the, the issue with tree nuts sometimes is the shell. Your preference between sunflower seeds or pistachios?
1: Oh, great question. Uh, I would probably lean more towards the pistachios now compared to uh, probably 10, 15 years ago, I would have been the sunflower. So.
0: Okay, that's great. That shows progress. Muhammad Ali says if you live at 50 like you did at 20, you've wasted 30 years of your life, right? <laughs> um, you're an Illinois guy. What's your favorite movie set in the in this, in this the city of Chicago?
1: Oh, Risky Business. I mean, you know, it's Damn. Literally- uh, as you, as you look at growing up as a, as a teenager, I mean, I was young when that movie came out, but we all kind of laughed, you know, as he didn't get into Princeton or he thought he wasn't going to get into Princeton. He goes, I guess it's the university of Illinois. Illinois
0: you know, you and that's
1: what we would quote all the time. So it's just the immediate one that comes out, but there's so many great John Hughes movies from the Chicago area. But, uh, yeah, I, I just saw risky business not too long ago and it brought back some good memories. So.
0: I you know the fugitive probably is my top one, but there's an underrated one that I really like with Tom. It's an old Tom Hanks movie called Nothing in Common, where he stars with Jackie Gleason. It's set in Chicago. Um, Big West tournament 2023. Dan Butterly is at the Dollar Loan Center. You've been working all day, Dan. You've been mm-hmm. working 24 hours straight. You haven't had a chance to get a bite to eat. There's a hot dog vendor on the corner there on the concourse. You go get a hot dog. What toppings does Dan Butterly put on his hot dog after he's worked 24 hours straight at the Big West Men's and Women's Basketball Championships?
1: Well, because because I know I'm going uh, hopefully back to my room to get a couple hours sleep, I would get the uh, grilled onions, you know, a little bit blackened if I can. Not, you know, I like them more well done in that respect, but definitely the hot dog with grilled onions is where I'm at.
0: Absolutely. Favorite all-time television detective? Oh
1: wow, that, that's a that's a great one. So, oh uh, uh, would the NCI would NCIS kind of fall in there? Uh, you know, I'd go with a Mark Harmon, uh, type okay. type character. You know, I just like how all those kind of come to. I love Law and Order as well, but I, I'd say NCIS.
0: I'm a Bobby Goren guy right here. If, if you if you didn't if you didn't know, already know. Okay, <laughs> last question for you. You're cooking dinner for Mrs. Kamish and your lovely daughter, Jessica. What is Dan Butterly making to celebrate the end of the Big West tournament? You've not been home forever. You're finally home. You're going to cook dinner tonight. What, what, uh, what can you do up in the kitchen, Dan?
1: We, we have a, I, I'm, I'm literally the cook in the, in the Butterly household, so I try to get okay, him dinner. Uh So, But we have a tradition uh, coming off of any basketball championship. So this goes to my days at the Mountain West uh, as well as the Big West. Uh, pick up at the airport. Uh, we immediately go to our favorite Mexican restaurant. So, Mexican food is where we would go.
0: Dan Butterly, thank you again for your time. Really appreciate it. Had fun. And I will I'm sure I'll bump India across the road. I know you're, you're doing a lot of travels, and and uh, I guess we're starting up. Soccer's starting up soon.
1: Next week. And let's hope uh, COVID stays out of the, the seasons this year. Uh, coming post Christmas time period, and I can get to more games. Our uh, arenas won't be shut down. So, we're looking forward to it. Yeah.
0: I hear we have a good commissioner who manages all that, Dan. So we're, yeah. we're in good shape. But, <laughs> no, again, always appreciate you giving me a little bit of time, and, and, and uh, thank you again.
1: Absolutely. Always enjoy the conversation. So-